Hello and welcome to a new edition of our Economics and Business podcast. I'm Laura Gatz, your host for this podcast series. Today, I am joined by economist James Lofridge to discuss the economics of natural disasters. This year has seen Hurricanes Harvey and Irma in North America, the Makoa landslide in Colombia, and floodings in South Asia, which have affected millions of people across nearly all continents this year. It seems that natural disasters are unfortunately occurring more and more often. James, you have recently analysed a new data set on natural disasters. What does the data say? So, thanks for the intro, Laura. So we looked at the latest data from the Centre for Research on the Epidemiology of Disasters. Um, now, it's important to say that we are looking at the economics of natural disasters and at their heart, natural disasters are human tragedies due to the loss of life and severe injuries um, that often occur. So we are looking at a very limited aspect of natural disasters, which is the disruption to day-to-day -day in business and household activities. So the latest data showed that there were at least 348 natural disasters last year, which cost almost 150 billion US dollars in damages. Now this is damages in, in the sense of physical uh, property and asset damage um, and it is a very partial measure as it doesn't seek to quantify um, the damage due to loss of life or injury. So when we look at then the number of natural disasters over time, we can see since 1970 the average per year has been rising. It significantly rose up until the late 1990s and the growth rate has flattened off somewhat since then. And then we also looked at the total cost of natural disasters per year. And as you would expect, this is quite a spiky profile. And we then deflated the data, so effectively we removed the effect of inflation. And we also see that there's an upward trend in this, which is somewhat intuitive given the total number of natural disasters has also been rising. So both the frequency and the cost of natural disasters is increasing. Can you tell us a little bit about what is driving this upward trend? Yeah, so we've identified what we think are three key contributors to the increasing number of natural disasters per year. And the first of which is climate change. And so the science behind this says that as average temperatures rise, the average moisture content in air will also rise. And this leads to an increase in the potential for extreme precipitation events. 16 of the 17 hottest years on record, according to NASA, have all occurred since 2001. So we welcome initiatives such as the Paris Climate Agreement or anything which is set out to tackle climate change. Um, however, our analysis, for example, in last year's Low Carbon Economy Index report showed that while we are making good effort toward decarbonizing, we are still falling short of UN targets. Secondly, urbanization and rapid population growth is also contributing. Um, unfortunately, around a quarter of the world population live in high-risk areas. Um, this problem is even more acute in less developed economies where, unfortunately, many people are faced with a trade-off. Should they move to higher-risk areas where they can often get higher salaries or should they stay where they are? And thirdly, some of this increase could actually just be artificial. Um, given the improvements in technology, we could be simply better at recording and tracking natural disasters. So given that both numbers are rising and Thanks for giving us a bit of context as to why that's happening. Which is actually rising faster? What, what does that mean for the average cost per disaster? So given both the number of natural disasters and the total real cost of natural disasters are increasing, we can also look at the real cost per disaster. Um, and the numbers show us that this has fallen by around a third in real terms since 1970. 
However, I would be cautious, Laura, about putting too much emphasis on this number, given the volatility of the cost estimates and also the heterogeneity of natural disasters. No two disasters are identical. One plausible explanation for this apparent trend could be the prevalence of preventative measures. So, for example, as technologies improve, things like early warning systems, which detect weather patterns which precede natural disasters, are becoming more and more accurate. We're also seeing regulation, so for example planning laws in which maintain wetlands and flood prone areas, things like that which are helping mitigate costs. So we've been talking about the, the, the trends in costs per disaster, but what actually does this cost mean in terms of impact on the economy and businesses? So whenever we think about impact on the economy, generally what we'll use is gross domestic product or GDP. Now the academic evidence is mixed um, on the net impact of natural disasters on GDP. However, our analysis has shown that really it's important to differentiate between localised and macroeconomic effects. Generally the effects are very acute when we measure locally, however when we look at the net effect across an economy, quite often it's much less transparent. So for example, when we compare the US um, with its 300 million population and 10 million kilometres squared surface area, to somewhere smaller and natural disaster prone such as the Solomon Islands with a population of 600,000 and 30,000 kilometres squared surface area. We can see that a storm of the same size impacting the Solomon Islands will have a larger impact on total GDP than it would on the United States. Good that you mentioned GDP. As economists we obviously like to break down GDP into its various components. Could you tell us a little bit more about consumption and investment? Yeah, so firstly, consumption is a good example of the differential between localised and macroeconomic events. So firstly, if we look at retail sales, um, for example, when we know um, in advance that a natural disaster is going to strike, often we see a spike in retail sales. And this is followed by a lull during the disasters themselves, as any unnecessary travel um, is cut out and also opening hours are restricted. In post-disaster, we'll often see a spike again in retail sales, given the cleanup efforts, and often this can completely offset any previous lull. But then another component of consumption we could consider is services spending. This is quite diverse and different from retail sales. So for example, spending on utilities. If people are displaced and put out of their homes for a week, in the week whenever they do get home, they're not going to spend double the amount on water, on electricity, things like that. So that spending won't be recouped. In contrast, accommodation services could actually benefit. So nearby hotels, restaurants in the local area could benefit um, from increased services spending there. So it's important we consider where exactly the boundaries um, exist when measuring GDP impact. And then secondly, you mentioned investment, Laura. So again, there's a few components of this we could consider. One of the, I guess, most prominent aspects in light of natural disasters would be residential construction. So the building restorations of homes uh, increases this. Uh, also, there's business investment, which again, uh, there'll be building of offices, factories, machinery, etc. And this can actually lead to a positive impact of higher productivity in some cases where, for example, old machinery is replaced by newer, more modern materials, and hence productivity increases. Of course, though, there is the opportunity cost which exists here. Interesting point on opportunity cost, James. Um, some of our listeners might not be familiar with that concept. Could you just elaborate a little bit more on what you mean by that? So when we're discussing opportunity cost in this context, what I mean is 
inevitably some of the spending and investment will be spent on replacement rather than expansion or the improvement of the current capital stock. So the opportunity cost here is the foregone improvement in productive capacity. And this of course won't be captured in GDP, which is one of the drawbacks of using GDP as a measure of utility. So GDP, since I guess the Bretton Woods Conference in 1944, has generally been the main tool to quantify economic performance. However, in light of natural disasters especially, some of the drawbacks of GDP become apparent. For example, wealth destruction isn't captured. So the loss of utility um, from the destruction of assets isn't captured in GDP. Um, secondly, services which aren't sold aren't captured in GDP. So in light of natural disasters, quite often charities and household production is a key lifeline for people. For example, Laurie, if you gifted your neighbour something, um, that wouldn't be sold to them, it wouldn't be tracked in GDP, but it could have an immeasurable impact on their and their family's utility. And finally, there's the opportunity cost, which we touched on earlier. So this is spending to maintain the as-is status as opposed to upgrading in existing capital stock. So had the natural disaster not occurred, for example, some of this investment could have been spent on expanding capital or building a second factory as opposed to simply replacing broken and destroyed machinery and offices. Okay. Talking about the limitations of GDP as a measure of welfare, is I think a particularly relevant factor in this topic. As you mentioned, natural disasters are a humanitarian issue at heart. Yeah. Looking forward, how can we reduce the impact of natural disasters in the future? So I think preventative measures are crucial, Laura. Um, for example, technology we touched on earlier, further investment in that to improve the efficiency of early warning systems, for example. We can also have targeted regulation, which is tailored and appropriate um, to mitigate risks. This could be at a macro level, so for example, climate change agreements, or it could be more localized, such as local planning laws. Um, it's important to say this is economic cost mitigation, and it's important to also emphasize the great humanitarian benefit of any reduction in the cost of natural disasters, which is possible. Thanks, James. It's really good to hear, given the severity of the welfare effects, that preventative measures could be successful in reducing the cost and the welfare impact of disasters in the future. So thank you very much for your time today, James. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's been great to have you. And um, thanks for sharing your findings on such an important humanitarian issue. If you'd like to hear more about what we discussed today, or hear about other topical economic issues, please head to our website. <music>